Shut up and sit down. Welcome to another episode of the Super Movie Studies Podcast, a community of superhero movie fans, teachers, and students, people looking to discover more about superheroes and the world because both are awesome. I'm your comic book cultured host, Michael Maurer, joined by the movie maestro, and Skylar Houtsma, and our regal legal expert, David Kleppy. Super Movie Studies Podcast is your premier movie discussion podcast. Every week we continue our journey exploring our favorite subject, superhero movies. Every fan sees the movies differently, so we gather some amateur experts to discuss certain aspects of the movie. Whether it's money, comic books, consent, music, or science, SMSP talks about it all in this week's episode. Jessica. I'm not surprised to see me. You had to know I'd come for you. Not this fast. I, I will admit to keeping eyes on you. Spies are easy to come by for me. Do whatever you're going to do to me, but let them go. Well, I have to protect myself, so... Then control me, not them. I have absolutely no intention of controlling you. I want you to act on your own accord. Act how? Suicide? Is that why you've been torturing me? Oh, my God. Jessica, I knew you were insecure. That's just sad. I'm not torturing you. Why would I? I love you. Jessica Jones. And yes, there will be spoilers. Woo! Okay, so... Yes, as you know, we are not doing a movie today. We are doing an entire season of a Netflix TV series. Uh, I suppose its official title is Marvel's Jessica Jones. Right, just as everything that Marvel has put out in the past four years is Marvel's. In case you hadn't noticed, we have a special guest with us today who is not Ben. Uh, it is David. Say hi. Hello, fans. <laughs> <laughs> you might remember David from the Daredevil Season 1 podcast episode. In which we had a thrilling discussion on Stitches. Oh, it's disgusting. I hope for it was more fun discussions like this. <laughs> <laughs> and we're more than likely going to get something similar tonight. Uh, ben could not be here because it is close to Valentine's Day, and uh, he's the only one betrothed among us, so therefore he has plans with life and we don't. Fair enough. <laughs> Consenting yeah, that's plans, pretty much though. accurate. <laughs> and we're just going to talk about some weird rapey television show instead of enjoy uh, February, the month of February. Um. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, many shows out there seedier and rapier. <laughs> <laughs> but true. All right, so let's go with first opinions of Jessica Jones, and I want to hear what Skyler has to say. Me? Uh, I greatly appreciate Jessica Jones as a show 
It's by far the most mature and complex series that um, Marvel's come out with so far. Uh, Due to the fact that it's really a noir show, it moves a little slower than, say, Daredevil. Not as much action going on, but it definitely makes up for that in the uh, tone it establishes. All of the cast members are terrific. I feel it's a little bit one of those shows where the villain kind of steals the show right right out from under the hero, but I still find it a... Pretty engaging show to go back and revisit. Popcorn, David. Is it my turn? Yes. The popcorn means you talk. (laughs) Oh, I see. That's good. Um, I really enjoyed the show. I thought that uh, it was a good compliment to the Daredevil uh, first season, and I'm really looking forward to see what what else that uh, Marvel and Netflix can produce together. I like the the binge-watching style of show. I'm really, I really like that kind of stuff where there's a lot of cliffhangers, a lot of excitement uh, that makes you want to watch the show for six hours at a time, which isn't necessarily good for my social life or my academics, but um, it, it really was uh, well done with Jessica Jones, um, and I'm definitely looking forward to what they produce next. Popcorn, Michael. Jessica Jones. You know, the biggest comparison you get, because we get to, we get to set, set it up, right next to Marvel's Daredevil. And the, the talk was, is this show going to be as good or better, if possible, than Marvel's Daredevil Season 1? And what I love to answer with is yes and no, because it's a completely different show. Maybe not completely different. It's certainly way more mature, but it's definitely dealing with those mature aspects like Daredevil did, where it, it's much more grounded and a lot less fluffy comedy that you see in the movies where it's aimed more at kids. Uh, Daredevil was very action-filled, and it dealt with both Matt Murdock and the Kingpin on sort of in parallel lines that eventually would cross. With Jessica Jones, you get pretty much just Jessica, and that's fine. And you don't get as much action. You get a lot more mystery. But what you do get in heaps and loads is wanting to just, like, crawl up into a ball and cry because of the shit that you have to watch during this series. Within that first episode, what Hope Schlotman does to her parents, and you just go, oh, shit, because you didn't think they were going to bring in Purple Man right away, but they do it in episode one. You just go, it's going to go up from here? It's like that That wasn't – that was like a low point? Yes, that was a low point. It gets much more fucked up the farther you get into the show. It's un real the creativity of this team of writers and creators who said all right what can we do to make the fans drop their mouths even lower for the next episode that being said it's a wonderfully produced thing (laughs) television series and i'm so glad that the fans are going hey everything coming out right now is awesome we demand a season two daredevil's coming out with a season two when it didn't wasn't planned for one now Jessica Jones has been confirmed for a season two when originally wasn't even planned for one. So rock 
on yeah, who would have uh, expected a TV show to not only perform well in ratings, but actually be really fucking good, and that being <laughs> the quality that gets it a season two? Well, it's really good for the right audience. Like, this is not a kid's show, all right? This is not a good kid's show, if you deem it that way. But for well-mannered, uh, 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 level-headed adults who can separate fiction from reality and who just want some excitement in their life and entertainment, this is a show for you. And it, it and it will excel. I remember back in our Daredevil episode making the point that um, that show pretty much spat in the face of the Marvel movies coming out, especially in not only in just its maturity, but the fact that it could deliver a kick-ass villain that was multi-layered and interesting and a threat. Mm-hmm. This show, <laughs> very much the same thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's like... Guys, look at what they're doing here in the shows. Do that for the movies, and maybe you won't be such a center of ridicule. Well, they've got 13 hours here to develop a villain. And in a movie, they don't really have that much because they're focused more on a hero's though. But it doesn't mean you can't try because <laughs> you just get the feeling they're not really trying. That's the big issue. But let's get on to our three segments of the show, starting with... Comic books. All right, so Jessica Jones is based on a 28-issue comic book series called Alias. No relation to the television show starring Jennifer Garner. This comic book series was written by Brian Michael Bendis and drawn by Michael Gatos. It ran from 2001 to 2004. So this was BMB's chance to create a character within the Marvel Universe where everything is retconned into it. So she was a superheroine named Jewel until something horrible happened, and then she became a private. Then she retired and became a private investigator. Uh, Alias was a Marvel Max imprint book, meaning it had explicit content. He was able to swear. Uh, they were actually able to publish something that came out monthly that you could swear in, as long as you put this. Uh, imp- Max imprint on it. Um, after the 28 issues of Alias, the characters in the book got moved to Bendis' other project called The Pulse. Alias's inception, it was originally supposed to star Jessica Drew, because according to Michael Bendis, she had the best hair in comic books. But the more he developed the book, the more he brainstormed it, he realized the story messed with the continuity of the Marvel Universe too much and decided to create a whole new character entirely and insert her into the Marvel Universe and just say that all these past events happened. (laughs) Which, you know what, we've got a new character for it, which is awesome. Uh, Let's talk about different characters that we see in the television show and their relationship to their comic book source material, starting with Malcolm Powder, or the man with the frizzy hair in the television show. He premiered in Alias number six, and in the book he's just a fan of Jessica Jones, a high school kid who becomes Jones's assistant after helping her solve a case revolving around the third Spider-Woman, Maddie Franklin, and he's just some punk kid. There's no... Um, 
I like him much better in the television show because he's fleshed out and you see that he is like trying really hard to be a humanitarian when everything in the world is telling him to go fuck himself and just stay and look out for number one. <laughs> Whereas in the book, he's just a punk kid who's just who's just trying to be next to his uh, a, a person he admires. I will go so far as to say I love the changes to every character from the uh, comic line in this show, not just because you know they're so much more fleshed out and interesting, but probably the worst part of that alias series was how they tried to shoehorn all the Marvel characters in like after the fact and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And we don't get none of that here. So yeah, it keeps it separate. Next yeah. character is Frank Simpson, AKA nuke in the comic books. You just see him as uh, officer Frank in the television show. He is, he premiered in daredevil number 232, with Frank Miller and David Mazzuccelli. <laughs> and here in the show, he's actually called Will Simpson. Oh, really? I thought it was Frank. Yep, his original name was Frank. They changed it to Will to avoid the confusion with a certain Frank Castle coming up <laughs> in the next uh, season of Daredevil. TV silly stuff. All right. So he's subject to childhood trauma that left him orphaned. And then he was abducted by Wolverine into the Weapon Plus program, uh, which were just multiple attempts to replicate the super soldier project that created Captain America, a.k.a. Weapon 1. Nuke became Weapon 7. So, And then, of course, Wolverine was Weapon 10, a.k.a. Weapon X. Nuke underwent experimental surgeries that gave him bulletproof skin, cybernetic enhancements, and a second heart that could be regulated with red, white, and blue pills. As you saw on the show, reds are adrenaline, whites level out the adrenaline, and blues are downers to bring everything back to normal levels. Or, no, actually, sorry, blues were meant to ter- make him unconscious. White was supposed to bring everything down to normal levels. I could use some blues in my day-to-day life. <laughs> <laughs> actually, they were just NyQuil. Uh, nobody noticed. They were just like, these are blue, so here's your NyQuil. Uh, I'm all for the reds. <laughs> and so he is regarded as like the Vietnam attempt at Captain America. He he was he was he went crazy because he was tortured, and eventually he carves the American flag into his face, giving him that trademark look of that U.S. flag stamped right into the front of his face. And he's, yeah, he's mostly a Daredevil villain, but in the show I like how they're like, you know, we don't need him in Daredevil necessarily, and he can certainly be transfixed back to over to, transposed over to Jessica Jones' life. Kind of funny, a certain someone when we were watching the show told me that, uh, well, he's just like an evil Captain America. (laughs) Well, let me show you this. (laughs) Let's, would you like to read a comic book? Uh, the next character is Patricia Walker, a.k.a. Hellcat, but we never see her as Hellcat or even – I mean, we guess we see a couple hints of it in the show. And you will not believe the history of this character. Patricia Walker is actually a Golden Age Marvel comic book character. She premiered in Miss America magazine number two in 1944 by Otto Binder and Ruth Atkinson. This was back when Marvel Comics was known as Timely Comics, 
and it was part of the golden age teen romance comic book trend before superheroes became the big ticket in the 60s. Uh, this book was published meant to rival Archie, which was pretty big at the time. Uh, Patsy is uh, the character inconsistently appears on throughout the years, but like enough to say that she never took a really long hiatus. Um, and then in the 70s, she comes into a new character as Hellcat. So she became Beast's lab assistant after high school graduation. It's when they moved her away from the teen romance books. And this led to her infatuation into becoming a super heroine. She has no inherent superpowers, but eventually she develops psychic abilities after going to hell. That's a whole new different storyline altogether. Um, and I'm sure I'll explain all of that as they further introduce her as Hellcat, and I'll talk about it in Jessica Jones Season 2, because that's just a whew, that's something different and completely. So eventually she joins the Avengers, and so she's known as a prominent Avengers character who's just one of the many non-superpowered, just vigilante athletes that they put on their team at regular. In the comic book Alias, she is not in there at all, along with neither is Nuke, but uh, Jessica Jones does have a BFF that she talks to in that book, and that's Ms. Marvel, Carol Danvers. And I'm guessing they didn't want to use Carol Danvers for the series because she's getting her own standalone movie in, what, 2018, 2017? The future. <laughs> Next character, Luke Cage, a.k.a. Power Man. Now, Luke Cage is premiered in a comic book called Luke Cage, Hero for Hire, number one in 1972 by Archie Goodwin and John Romita Sr. And <clears throat> he's got a long history in the comic books, all right, with a bunch of different relationships with a bunch of different characters. So I'm just going to describe his relationship to Jessica as kind of it pertains to the television show. So his appearance in Alias is that he has a one-night stand with Jessica while she's depressed, and this is before Miss Jones starts dating Scott Lang, the second Ant-Man, shortly after these events take place. Um, when she finds out she's pregnant because of her one-night stand with Luke, she tells Lang, and then they break up which is probably the best scene in that entire series. Granted, it doesn't happen until, like, issue 28, but that whole page, I, like, put the book down because I was just like, woof, that was too real of everybody's reaction and how that whole event probably would have taken place. Um, in Alias, Luke is shown as a womanizer slash, quote-unquote, cape chaser. Uh, likes to have sex with super, a lot of superpowered women. There's a lot of jokes about the one time he had sex with She-Hulk. He warms up by the end of the book because he's kind of a douche at first. And eventually, as soon as Jessica tells him that, hey, I'm having this baby and it's yours. I was like, oh, do you want to keep it? I do. All right, then. New chapter. And so that's like pretty much um, where the Luke Cage, Jessica Jones getting married eventually relationship starts because they have a, a baby and they name her Danielle based on Cage's best friend, 
Danny Rand, a.k.a. Iron Fist. And I'll talk a lot about Luke Cage during the upcoming Luke Cage Marvel Netflix series. <laughs> uh, There's a series for everyone. Mike Coulter did a what? You know what? I got to say, Mike Coulter during this series, that man is a behemoth of a person. Like his his neck is like the same size as his head. He's just really, really big. <laughs> and for the longest time, I thought he was uh, Ty Gibbs. That was not true. <laughs> David can attest to that. <laughs> he is totally not Ty Yeah, Gibbs. no, you totally called him Ty Diggs for like, Tay Diggs for like the first three episodes. And I was like, dude, I don't think that's Tay Diggs. And you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> no, I thought, sorry. I, I At first I thought he was Tyrese Gibson. And then I went, no, Tay Diggs. And then I was way wrong on both accounts. And then you just merged them into somebody named Ty Gibbs. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> so, well, Tyrese Gibson. Um, <laughs> Tay Diggs. <laughs> so... Yeah, I had a lot of trouble figuring out Mike Coulter until I locked it down. Because <laughs> I'm racist, or I just, uh, I totally, okay, the news was, there was a lot of news on who was going to be Luke Cage, all right, until it eventually ended up being Mr. Coulter. It was, there was talk of Tyrese Gibbs. I don't think Tay Diggs was ever in the mix, and that was just me being dumb. And there was also talk of Terry Crews. <laughs> um, yeah. Ah, you know, we haven't seen him in a, a big, big, serious role yet, and I think he could have pulled it off. He's a wonderful actor. Next character, Kilgrave, a.k.a. The Purple Man, premiered in Daredevil number 4 in 1964 with Stan Lee and John Orlando. His origin story is, was he was a spy sent to infiltrate a Croatian chemical company, leads him to being doused with experimental nerve gas, turns his hair and skin purple, hence getting his name, and he can make people do whatever he says because of the pheromones he produces from his skin, make them highly susceptible to suggestion. Uh, so in Alias, he takes control of Jessica when she was Jewel, uh, kidnaps her and tortures her for months, months, never though, did he have sex with her? But this is messed up too. He did have sex with college co-eds and forced Jessica to beg him to join in, which is psychologically screwed up. And I don't think they ever talked about whether, like, what really happened during their time together from an intimate standpoint outside of, like, he wined and dined her and he took advantage of her behind closed doors. They never get into specifics um, because that show was graphic enough on its own, and it didn't need that. <laughs> so eventually, Kilgrave gets so mad one time because he's reading a Daredevil story in the newspaper, and he's so pissed at Daredevil because Daredevil has beaten him up over the years so many times. And so he tells Jewel to go kill Daredevil, beat him up. Uh, Jones in her instigated blind rage mistakes the scarlet witch for daredevil and gets beaten into a coma by the avengers because they were all there when it happened uh before the avengers realized she was brainwashed and that they fucked up <laughs> x-men gene gray helps her out of the coma and puts a mental block on her 
that prevents her from being controlled by Kilgrave again. And then there is one scene where Jessica is questioning Kilgrave at, towards the end of the book, questioning him in a super prison known as the Raft, and he seems very aware that he is a comic book. Brian Michael Bendis is known for doing some very weird and interesting writing, and this is one of those moments where they're just characters are having two completely different conversations, and it seems that Kilgrave is talking almost directly to the readers, but isn't at the same time. It's a pretty interesting moment. I, I do recommend Alias not as like a cultural standpoint of like, this is an amazing comic book, just because it's a really interesting perspective of superheroes from another angle of what if one retired because they were sick of it? What would their life be like? I love Kilgrave's line in the um, comic book of don't mess with the continuity, Jessica. They'll hate you for it. And it's like, ha, I get it. Because <laughs> the worst part of this comic is her messing with the continuity. <laughs> yeah, because I'm sure Bendis got a lot of flack for all the moments he retconned her into moments. So that brings us to the last character, Jessica Jones, a.k.a. Jewel. Or at one point she was also known as Nitrous. Night. Tress, <laughs> with a K-N there. She premieres in Alias Number 1, 2001. Her real name was Jessica Campbell, and she was a nerdy girl with a crush on Peter Parker. She went to the same high school as him, pre-Spider-Man. Uh, she gets into a tragic car accident where her, family, where her whole family collides with a toxic waste truck, and it leaves her with superpowers, so she decides to become a hero under the name Jewel. After her experience with Kilgrave, she gave up heroing to become a PI, and after the events of the entire Alias comic books, she accepts a job at the Daily Bugle to become a superhero correspondent, and her stories continued in a series called The Pulse. Uh, her relationship with Purple Man is touched upon for maybe 10 issues in the entire Alias series, um, in which he's probably only in three or four. And so the fact that the television show said, we're going to put him in every single one, is a pretty, like, they knew what they were going to focus on. Did a wonderful job elaborating the story and displaying the psychological effects his control can have on a person. Person. And the symbolism of rape, abuse, and post-traumatic stress disorder, which the comic book can't really iterate as well because it doesn't – you don't get to draw – you draw faces and they're still images. Whereas the moving image of a face being still – I don't know what I'm really talking about here, but if you understand my meaning of just like there's a lot more you can capture in five seconds of a television show – than five seconds of a comic book when the content is psychological. That's what I got. <laughs> I did my whole spiel on Jesse Jones and all the characters pertaining to which. So let's move on to music, or lack thereof. <laughs> Not for lack of trying, though. Um, good news and bad news on the official soundtrack to Jessica Jones. Good news. Uh, it's written by a fellow named Sean Callery, uh, C-A-L-L-E-R-Y, not like the nutrition part of it, um, who delivers a 
completely fitting jazzy noir sounding score that fits the show probably couldn't be more appropriate for the uh, tone they're going for there. Bad news. It has not been released. (laughs) So there's not a whole lot out there to talk about other than, of course, the um, opening theme, which perfectly establishes the kind of show we're in for. Let's take a listen. Now, question is, better or not as good as the Daredevil theme? In my opinion, better. Just because there's a more, um, just there's more character to this one, whereas where they ask, you know, oh, what's the Daredevil theme? It's just like, and you can't pick out a really main theme there, unfortunately. This one, I feel like, has, you know, so much more character to it. Funny thing is when that um, rock guitar comes in uh, during the second half of it, it <laughs> reminds me immediately of old 90s like Saturday morning cartoon Marvel shows. I had the same exact thought. I was like, what is this? Spider-Man from the 90s? It was the same guitar riff. I know, right? I mean, fitting, but... Radioactive Spider-Man. <laughs> I, well, I'm glad I'm not the only one who got that impression from it. <laughs> well, I was like, it, 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 it's got this nice little, like, doom, doom, doom. Like, you're just, like, walking down a jazzy sort of New York street, and everything's sort of calm. And then it ramps up, like, like you, you know, because it gets the show has its exciting moments. But then the guitar descend, decides just like, you know what, I'm going to take center stage for the last five seconds. And you go, all right, guys, back off, back off. It's not that exciting. And it's like, okay, we get it. Thank you. Good job. Um, but I, I mean, I'm sure the fans have listened to that theme multiple times. We just want to take a moment for you to really listen to it <laughs> so we can talk about it. Um because a lot of the tracks we tried to find, they're just like noir background music. So it's it's take the first 20 seconds of the theme and multiply it times whatever amount of time you need for your background track. Because that's what most of them are. Pretty much. I mean, there's certain instances where they have like some kind of really cool beat going on behind some of the investigation stuff, but unfortunately that's not out in the universe for me to pick out and have you listen to. 
But um, instead of that, I think did we pick out the um, the tune that uh, Patsy's got going on in the final uh, episode? Yeah, we can't just have one song for the music section. Like, if you, if we're gonna talk seriously about the theme, good. But let's have a quick little jam out session because if you guys remember that last scene or that that those final moments of the last episode where Patsy shows up and she's just jamming and disguised as Jesse. We found that song for you. It's called Demons by Sleigh Bells. to get to the refrain there. <laughs> have a full nice refrain cycle. Jam. That's a I'm sorry, that's a that's a that's a nice song. That's a banging song. He's nice. Yes. <laughs> uh just you know just to jam to man. I love I love when uh you know you find some nice obscure like the I, I feel as if the that's a song that's been listened to a lot by Melissa Rosenberg and she's like we gotta fit it into the show somehow. <laughs> right, I don't, I don't feel like it would have found its way there otherwise. <laughs> Someone was like, "I love this song," and now <laughs> right. we get to love it too. Awesome, yes. music's nice, a little short and sweet today. Hopefully, one day we'll get access to the, uh, the full soundtrack for it. The full. That's what we have to talk about. All right then, let's move past science because that ain't happening today. Uh, we were originally going to talk about if Kilgrave's powers do work. And we're going to reference a Vice documentary where drugs make you highly susceptible to suggestion. And But uh, like we said, Ben couldn't be here. So we've got David to talk about other stuff that's awesome or just a list of things he might have gripes with. So, David, what are we talking about? So, as you guys know, my two main loves in life are medical stuff and legal stuff. I'm an EMT. I'm an aspiring lawyer, so I take a special interest in that kind of stuff. Um, so on the legal side of the show, we have Jessica Jones, who is a PI, who does a fair bit, a fair bit of stalking. But (laughs) the thing is, and I did some research into New York state law, because I'm pretty sure this is taking place in New York. Is that correct? It's Hell's Kitchen. All of them are going to take place in Hell's Kitchen. Okay, good. Um, according to New York state law... Um, Jessica Jones would not be guilty of any sort of stalking because in order to be a stalker, uh, the victim would have to have reasonable, the victim would have to have reason to believe that they or their things were going to get harmed 
Um, and since she's just taking pictures, she found a pretty good loophole to get around any of that. But Kilgrave, if they had some way to prove that he was controlling people, that alone could get him locked up because he would fall into the same category of people who um, who follow other people around and who are persistent, like he does to Jessica throughout the show. And she actually did have a lot of reason to think that she was personally going to get harmed. So um, that's pretty interesting. The other thing that I found was interesting was uh, the, the lawyer, Hogarth, she's a fool. <laughs> <laughs> we had ter- ter- was it Terry? J- it was Jerry, right? Jerry. Jerry, Jerry Hogarth. Jerry Hogarth. Yep. And we were like, you are so stupid. You cause everything wrong to happen. Um, the thing is, she's a fantastic lawyer, and you can tell she's a fantastic lawyer because she's partner at this big firm in Hell's Kitchen, so she's got to be good. But she is such a uh, a pride-driven person, and she is so motivated by her passion uh, that she makes some really critical errors throughout the show uh, that really, really come back to bite her in the ass. Um, we see in her um, in her divorce proceedings, we see that she really has done nothing to cover herself up uh, or to cover herself for all of the wrongdoing she's done in the past, which causes her to get blackmailed. She doesn't have any sort of prenuptial agreement or any sort of divorce agreement with her. Um, soon-to-be ex-wife, which bites her in the ass. Um, and in addition to that... Yeah, that's a big actual plot hole, right? You're a lawyer and you don't get a prenup? She does say that um, they were together before um, before she went to law school. Oh. That was one of the things that she mentioned was they, they basically did that together. Okay. Um, so it's it's a little bit understandable, but at the same time, um, if you're going to be a, a lawyer who does shady stuff, uh, you need to be able to protect yourself, and she doesn't do a lot of that, and that's surprising to me. But that just kind of shows us a little bit more about her character. I think she's a really passion and pride-driven person, and that's that's kind of what, what we're seeing through that. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is how screwed... Hope Schlotman was. She was really screwed. Because the thing is that uh, without having Kilgrave to prove that she was innocent, all of the evidence and everything was pointing to her. So she's already doing pretty poorly. And then, so Jessica gets this, this time frame that she has to catch Kilgrave and bring him in in order to save Hope. And that is not a very big time frame for for a task of that magnitude. Um, she could have she could have expected for the trial proceedings to start in eight to twelve months. Yeah, that's I think like the, the show. The show takes place within that eight month period, so it's fine. But the magnitude of catching and finding Kilgrave, if he hadn't actively been seeking um, Jessica. It, that could have gotten out of hand really fast. Uh, they did pass up on a plea agreement, which was probably foolish of them, but <laughs> it didn't sound like a super great agreement. Um, so then their only hope would have been to argue uh, insanity or that she wasn't of her right mind when she committed the crime. 
uh, which she just would have been institutionalized for the rest of her life probably because uh, first-degree murder of two people uh, in an elevator like that, that's a pretty serious That's a pretty serious thing. Did they deem they it premeditated in the show? I forget because that's, that's another big kicker. It would have been, okay. absolutely. Um, she had the gun in her possession for what seems like quite a while, and uh, she got in the elevator. There's no sign of a struggle or anything like that, so it doesn't look like it, it happened last minute. I mean, she really just got in the elevator, pulled out a gun, and shot them both. So um, it would be pretty pretty apparent that it was premeditated, and obviously we know it was premeditated because Kilgrave told her to do it mm -hmm. ahead of time. That is the definition of premeditated. Um, so there's not a whole lot of legal stuff to talk about in the show, but those are some things that I picked up on that I thought were kind of interesting. Um, so there's some medical stuff to talk about, guys. He laughs really a little as me, he said it. really gets me going. Um, <laughs> the biggest one, the one that really uh, almost baffles me, is the fight in the bar scene where Jessica comes in to protect Luke from all of these guys that are attacking Luke, and she goes there to protect him because she doesn't know that Luke can kick a serious ass. <laughs> and um, So she is recorded as, as being able to lift a two-ton truck, um, which puts her at around 25 times as strong as the average person. Okay. Using that and some average punching statistics from different martial arts and different competitions and stuff like that, uh, she could probably put 300 Gs of force into a person if she punches them as hard as she can. Mm -hmm. That's 300 times the force of gravity. <laughs> so if gravity moves a person at around 14 meters per second, 300 times that <laughs> obliterates everything in its path. <laughs> Um, and now that's if she punched as hard as she can, and most of the time when she's in those fighting scenes, it looks like she's just swatting at flies. She doesn't seem to care too much. Um, so it's safe to say she's well underneath that, but even up to, you know, 50 Gs is causing serious internal damage. Um, that can cause hemorrhaging in the brain. That can cause lots of broken bones, including clavicle, sternum, ribs, that can bruise and damage your lungs, your heart, your spleen, your liver. Uh, if, it, if one of those lands into your kidney, that kidney is pulverized. And that's only at 50 Gs, which is about as strong as a professional boxer usually gets. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's big heavyweight boxers. So um, if she's at 300 Gs of force, uh, that's... That's pretty extreme. I mean, so when the, she when she punched uh, Diva, what was what was Luke's Reva. Reva. Thank you. Uh, when she punched Reva, Reva should have gone more than fly. Um, well, was was that a punch or a push? Because there's a difference with that too. A punch is uh when it hits, it's a sudden and it's a traumatic. Um, incident with a push there's contact beforehand so it's a little bit less it would be a lot it, a lot fewer G's of force pretty confident um, with instance. a punch and there's there's more control with a push but yeah if she was if she was really punching Riva to punch Riva she she could have taken the head straight off no <laughs> she, doubt, was a, doubt in my mind if I remember I think it was a gut punch 
Yeah, that might be true. Did Reva hit the bus after the punch, or did she just die there and then the bus hit afterwards? She, yeah, Reva never got hit by the bus. The Reva, yeah, that uh, was just Kilgrave. Yeah, the bus swerved and then swiped Kilgrave. I see. That's fun. <laughs> um, okay, another thing to talk about would be Hope getting beat up in prison. Uh, she looks... She looks kind of roughed up, but not too bad. I've seen worse. <laughs> <laughs> she's, you know, she's got a, a black eye and a swollen lip and some of those superficial things which look bad but don't actually cause that much harm. And if she paid off the other prisoner to hurt her, it's kind of safe to assume that that other prisoner was not going malicious, not really trying to super damage her, just trying to put her in the hospital wing for a night. So I think that's that's not too bad of an instance, but she probably was beat up pretty good. And then immediately after that, she she has that uh, kind of under-the-table abortion, and it sounds like uh, whatever they gave her was not meant specifically for abortion. It was meant to screw her up, which <laughs> would then, of course, screw up the baby. Oh, um, Really? That yeah, wasn't like a really delayed plan B pill? Yeah, that's what it sounded like to me. Because uh, Holgarth was saying, you are going to get super sick when you take this. Um, for the most part, um, like on the table, super legit abortions, like in a clinic and stuff like that, uh, the mother is not going to get very sick about it. Obviously, the, the fetus has no hope. But um, that one in the hospital wing, it sounds like... Uh, it was. It wasn't specifically meant for that. That was just going to be kind of one of the things that happens because of it. Okay. So um, it's just like introducing a bunch of vile to your body, and that's pretty probably much yeah. kill a fetus. Yeah, they're 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 mildly poisoning poisoning her, and hoping that the poison is enough to kill the fetus. Ugh. And Which it, unfortunately, it, is the way that a lot of people end up doing it, um, and that's not safe for them. But. Uh, that's kind of that's kind of what some people have to do, especially if they're in a very strange position like Hope Schlotman is. No, no, no. But 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 she is. I know we're getting. This is a, it's a fucked up TV show, guys. So the it content is, behind it is it fucked up. Is as so. But because what I'm about to say, it's gonna sound weird. She expelled the fetus. Um. Because remember, because Hogarth took it, mm-hmm. and that's what they used to supercharge. Kilgrave. Oh my god, just rethinking about this shit is fucked up. Yeah, it's um, fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, you can... So, it was, like, triggering a preemptive birth? Like, or did that... No, um, if the fetus dies, the body is going to trigger a birth anyways. So, if, um, if Hope would have been sick enough to kill the fetus, the body would have recognized that and been like, well, I guess I'm done here, and then just booted it out anyways. Um, a miscarriage, pretty much. Ooh, okay. Gross. Um, That's not yeah, good for not, anyone. Not pretty. Not a pretty thing. Uh, that was, that was honestly, it didn't seem like it, but that was one of the darker moments in this show. That really was, <laughs> that was not good. Well, and they then didn't when, visualize then when, it a lot. Right, they didn't. And then when Kilgrave's father takes the fetus to study it and to come up with a vaccine uh that's just getting into whole other realms of ethical shit 
Um, in addition to uh, those things, we have a lot of gunshot wounds. We have a lot of gunshot wounds in this show. It doesn't seem like it because Kilgrave is finding the weirdest, strangest ways to make people kill themselves and to make people kill other people. But there is a lot of gunfire going on, which is fun. Gunshot wounds present uh, lots of things to talk about. For the most part, a lot of gunshot wounds are going to be basically through and through. So it's like getting stabbed with something really long. It goes in one side of the body and out the other side of the body. Anything in the direct path gets damaged. Um, some bullets, though, are going to not make it all the way through. And then you're looking at what they call uh, primary and secondary cavity. So primary is going to be immediately when the bullet hits. It's going to create like a concussive effect on the body, which is going to damage things. And then the secondary cavity is like the actual cutting that goes through. Um, if a bullet's strong enough to go through and through, it doesn't create too much of a primary cavity. But if it's not, it does. And oftentimes, people will die because of the concussive effect of a bullet before they would die from bleeding out or anything like that. <laughs> um, David, you uh, don't disappoint. Um, <laughs> oh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's not pretty. Um, and honestly, Kilgrave does find really, really strange and out there ways. And I got to give credit to those writers, like you mentioned before, Mike. They had some really, really fucked up dreams <laughs> leading up to writing this show. <laughs> well, okay. So can we uh, are we at a point where we can talk about very specific things Kilgrave did? Um. Sure, there's one other thing I wanted to mention from the medical aspect, and that is how angry the RN got <laughs> when some poor little intern RN couldn't stick a needle into Luke Cage. And I was just floored by that, because I was like, she's literally watching this needle bend. And she's like, I'm going to find someone who can do it. And I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> You know, and I know that Luke Cage has really strong skin, but she should have been a little bit smarter than that, and she should have picked up on it more. And it was it was a really good introduction of Claire Danes, which was nice. I was glad to see her come back. That's not um, Claire Danes. It was Claire Temple. Claire Temple. Son of a bitch. It was Claire Danes. Claire Danes is an actress from Holdland. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> Edit that out. <laughs> Not a chance, fucko. <laughs> that was a really good introduction to Claire Temple. Uh, and I was really glad to see her again. But that that was really strange to me, and hospitals don't really work like that. So I thought I thought that was kind of kind of funny and interesting. Okay. Okay. I have I have a couple questions. I remember well we you and I watched this whole series together. Um and uh, your commentary is priceless, especially when it comes to the actual scenes involving EMTs. And you're like, that's not right. Where, uh, well, who was who was in the ambulance? Oh, it was Patsy. Patsy was in the ambulance after taking those adrenaline pills. Um, and that that EMT is like, what what'd she take? What's wrong? And some sort of combat drug. He's like, all right. So he gives her a depressant while in the ambulance and you're like back up the truck that's not cool it really depends on the uh, the level of training 
and some states obviously have different rules and stuff like that. But I don't, I don't imagine any medic asking what someone has taken, getting as shoddy of an answer as that, and then responding to it without <laughs> some sort of testing or some sort of inclination. Mm-hmm. I'm watching that, and she's like, I don't know, something, something, something. And he's like, I got just a pill. And then <laughs> punch the pill. And I'm like, that's like, I can't. Oh, my gosh. You can get you can get so fired, and you can get so sued. That's not not a good boat to put yourself in. Well, that and he, he, he does needle uh, puncture in a moving vehicle. Yeah, that's weird, too. Um, because with needles, you have to kind of be really set. Now, some paramedics are comfortable enough that they'll go ahead and do that, so that's not that's not that weird. But at the same time, um, it seems like they didn't have any on-the-scene care time. All of that kind of stuff could have taken place on the scene in less than two minutes, and he could have been brought on the ambulance and taken away. Um, which I think was probably partially the writing. They thought it would be better if all of this stuff was taking place on an ambulance rather than on the street corner, and, you know, that's all fine. But uh, it it just it seemed like they rolled up, threw them in the back, and then started taking care of their patient, and that's that's definitely not how it works. Her in the back. Talk about Patsy. Yeah, that's right. Pronouns straight. Uh, guys, not to uh, rain on the hilarity or anything, but I've got to get on the road pretty soon. So, mm-hmm. all right, all right, Scholar, just say goodbye to the fans because they love you and they want to. Goodbye, fans. <laughs> thank you. He's got to be somewhere, but uh, we thank you for being here, Skylar, and taking the time for the show. Yes, I was here. Uh, <laughs> um, and he's wishing you a super week as he yes. unplugs. <laughs> goodbye, snowflakes. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I've got a, I've got a couple more, David. All right. I'll be honest. Um, okay, that's fine. Uh, and just because you're the guy I want to talk to about this, when it came to the moment where Kilgrave said, "All right, you don't get to blink until Jessica comes home," how tragic is it to not be able to blink? Um, it's painful. I mean, if you try try keeping your your eyes open for even five minutes. You're not going to make it all the way there because the eyes start to burn so much because it hurts to have your eyes dry out like that. Uh, they probably wouldn't lose, like, vision or anything like that. But for a good while, their eyes would be sore. And while it's happening, um, it kind of feels like an eternity. It's almost like when you have to hold your breath for 10 more seconds, that's when your lungs decide that, oh, they've had enough of this. Um, as soon as... He says that that's when their eyes are like, oh, you know what? I want to blink a whole bunch right now. <laughs> um, whereas, you know, in actuality, the eyes don't need it that much. So it's more of a psychological game at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your experience with adrenaline combat drugs? I mean, it seemed to have give, given him super strength. I've no. only, I mean, I've only taken them a couple times, so... <laughs> Um, but no, I can you take a pill after an adrenaline pill that will bring you down to uh, normal levels? Or do you, I, I, I thought you just had to sort of wait it out of your system, and depressants um, were kind of dangerous to mix. There are things it's it's dangerous to mix for sure. There are things that will um, counteract adrenaline a little bit, 
but in most cases, people are just going to have to wait it out. Yeah. Um, it sounds like it's not exactly adrenaline that they're giving him. They're giving him some sort of wonky stuff that's doing all sorts of things to his body. And then they have a pill that's specifically for it. So honestly, if that doctor has come up with, with the perfect system for that, kudos to him. That <laughs> works with me. Oh, trying to think. Were there any other ostensive Kilgrave moments? Uh, you can't die from your eyes not being able to blink, right? No. You don't actually? Okay, that doesn't matter. Well, can you go blind? I mean, eventually, but that would take a really long time. Okay. Because I, I never thought about that before. Like, what if you physically could not blink for a long time? How would that? Yeah, it would just be really, really painful. I mean, you, there are people who die. There are people who lose their eyelids, and they have to use eye drops just to keep their eyes lubricated and wet. And they end up going for long periods of time without anything in their eyes. Um, oh, and for the most part, their eyelids. Um. Yeah. Apparently, eyelids are flammable. Oh. Good to know. Well, you see that a lot with uh, severe burn victims and uh, bomb victims where their eyelids are, are pretty much gone. Hmm. Okay. Um, anything else you want to talk about, David? Um, I was really fascinated by some of the weird ways that Kilgrave came up with for people to kill themselves and or kill others. But, you know, that's all... That's all pretty easy to see and pretty easy to tell what's going on, so you okay. don't need me for that. No extra further ex- explanation. Your mind has already grasped what it is and went, you know what? Yeah. I think I would have been better in life without it. What was um, – there were, there were two people with his father in that apartment. The one was sending his father through the blender over a period of time, which was um, – I think Kilgrave said – make father disappear from the earth or erase him from the earth or something mm-hmm. like that. So he's sending all of his body parts through the blunder. How did the other guy die? Uh, I think he killed himself. I think he made him yeah. kill himself. Somehow, but I, I can't remember the exact way. Cause I remember that one I saw and I was like, this show is too fucked up right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was something that involved a lot of blood. I think it involved draining his own blood. Uh, but that's enough. Uh, the final section, we usually have drinking game rules, but, uh, Jessica Jones is enough of an alcoholic for the rest of us that (laughs) we don't need any, I mean, the basic rule would be, of course, drink when Jessica drinks and see what life is like, but that might lead to substance abuse. So we encourage our fans not to do that. Um, and other rules would of course include whenever Kilgrave's tells anyone to do something or when anyone ever mutters anything vocally of in the world of that's fucked up. That's messed up. How about you have to take a super, super soldier pill every time nuke takes a super soldier pill. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't that's think it's fun guys. <laughs> Jeez. All right. You know, we do not encourage drug or alcohol abuse. Uh, let's just keep that straight, gang. But I think we've discussed enough. We talked a lot about how much 
Marvel's Jessica Jones prides itself in its earthy, grounded reality topic and subject, and how much of that is more pliable, more applicable to real life, and how much of that is just, come on, you got to get your medics facts straight, yo, homie. Your legality's fine, but some of that stuff is not cool. Uh, <laughs> But that looks like it's going to wrap it up for today, super fans. Superhero Movie Club is recorded and produced by Tribe Cup Productions. If you like what you hear, show us your support by going to iTunes, finding Superhero. Ooh, sorry. Somebody's car alarm is going off. If you like what you hear, show us your support by go, by rating us on iTunes. You just got to go to Super Movie Studies. Did I call it Superhero Movie Club just a second ago? Yeah. Fuck. Super movie studies, guys. It's a mild transition, but we will eventually... It's like the new year, right? There's still a few like weeks where you write 2015 instead of 2016 for a while. This is the same thing. Um, don't regret the decision of changing the name, but it's just a habit. So super movie studies, podcast it is. Find that on iTunes. Baba booey, baba booey. Um, Triab.com. Tryupcop.com. We'll let you know. <laughs> We're sick of giving you updates because I only get so many updates myself. Uh, and, and I'm just going to keep telling you the project is in the work. I have not received um, any counteroffers. You know what? If anyone wants to build a freaking website for me, that's great. If you don't, whatever. We're just going to keep telling you that it's on the way and then it's still not here. <laughs> So, um, you know, we're just, by the way, we're running for president. So this is also part of our presidential platform is promises we're not keeping. Uh, we're going to tell you right away that we're not keeping them. Uh, that's that's our true honesty. We're, we're going to be even more honest than Trump. And I guess I'm doing all of the final bits tonight because also remember that we are still on Twitter, our Twitter feed at Super M Studies. So follow us. Uh, Twitter Tom is always there to answer any questions you have, uh, any comments, any concerns about the episode, any suggestions on what we should talk about, any extra articles you may find and want to send to us, um, and we'll use whatever we can on the air as long as it's okay with you. So that'll do today. I'm your host, Michael Maurer. James Scalarhauza has left, and he said goodbye to you. Ben is not here because he is busy, and I'm David. David's here as well. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Have a super week. I'll be the hunter, I'll